Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to read this scripture today out of the J.B. Phillips translation. And they may or may not have it back there. That's all right if you don't have it, but you can put up whatever version you do have. Um, so 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. I'll read the King James first. The Bible says, talking to us as believers, this know also. Let me think anytime the Bible says know this, we should probably know what he's saying. Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And so he's forewarning us about something that's going to happen in our time so we can be forearmed. See, this isn't supposed to scare you if you're a believer. Scriptures about perilous times and the end times is not supposed to scare you. Paul's not saying, oh, I'm going to preach some fear into them. You know, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. You better watch out. It's not what he's saying. He's just letting us know perilous times are going to be all around you in the last days. But he already knew and he already experienced himself that no matter how perilous it gets, you can live in protection in the middle of it. I mean, people may be falling all around you, but it does not have to come near you. But you can't just sit and hope something good happens to you when all this evil starts happening. You've got to trust the Lord as your protector. He can be to you what you believe Him to be for you. He would like to be everything for everybody, but He's not just going to knock people's doors down and be in their life anything He wants to be. We've got to open the door. There's some weird stuff going on. How many thankful it's not come near you? How many like to say at the end of your long, happy, satisfied life, it never got a hold of me or my loved ones? Hmm? Now, I know when our loved ones grow up and they're out on their own, they're going to have to learn to appropriate divine protection as well. But when they're with you, your children are at home, you can claim protection over your kids while they go to school. Do you know that if the Lord foresaw a school shooting going to happen in your kid's school, do you know that the Holy Spirit would do everything He could to tell your child and you not to go to school that day? Hmm? You know, here's an interesting thought. We'll read some more here, but here's an interesting thought. Why can't or why hasn't God been able to protect everyone? Even good people. Why, why hasn't He been able to? Well, I put it this way. He tried. He tried to lead people away at times from certain situations. He knew where a tragedy was going to happen. But the people, a lot of times, never been taught about the leading of the Holy Spirit. They've never been taught about the direction of the Lord, how to follow His promptings. And hereby is answered that million-dollar question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, one reason is because just because you're good doesn't mean you know how to be led by the Spirit. Good people still have to not be in the wrong place at the wrong time. How are you going to not be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Being good is not enough. You've got to also be led by the Lord. Good people enter into all kinds of unnecessary adversity at times. It, is not, it has nothing to do with their goodness or their badness. It has to do with, are you following God's plan for your life? Are you, are you discerning His leadings? The Bible says in Psalm 23, He leads us beside still waters. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. What if you're around dangerous, life-threatening waters? Obviously, you're not following his leading because he leads you beside still waters. Right? Did y'all get that? He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us. It didn't say he makes us go by still waters. He leads us. He's not pushing us. He's saying, come if you want to. How many think it would pay to be more sensitive to the leading of the great shepherd in your life? And we're going to talk about some of that tonight in a really cool way. The Lord reveals some really cool things to me, and I'm going to share them with you. So let me read you the J.B. Phillips. Now, the King James says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. King James has a cross note in there on perilous, and it says dangerous. And so this is where we get the title, Protection in Perilous Times. Are there going to be perilous times? Yeah, but there's protection in perilous times. And here's the revelation. You've got to appropriate it. If it just happened because you're a believer, then all, no believer anywhere would ever been in a car wreck or a plane wreck or a shooting. Obviously, it's more than just being a believer that keeps you protected. You know, just a general believer, I believe in Jesus, going to go to heaven when I die. You've got to also believe something else. Just like you believe Jesus is your Savior from hell, you know, you believe it, you're assured of that. Even when you don't feel saved, you know you are, you believe you are. You talk like it. People ask you, you're saved. Yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Well, if you believe that Jesus is your protector, like you believe he's your Savior and way to heaven, guess what you're going to see in your life? What you believe for. Jesus is the Savior to all people on this planet. But not all people on this planet are saved. Do you know why? They don't believe in Jesus, their Savior. The Lord's legally provided salvation for everybody on this planet, but not everybody's saved. Do you know why everybody's not saved? Not everybody believes in Jesus, the Lord and Savior of their life. Well, what happens when they believe? Well, now they're going to heaven when they die. Well, what if we believe the same way that Jesus is our protector? You know, we believe it. Assured of it, whether we feel like it or not, we confess it, we tell other people. I'm going to show you some of those things that really important stuff, especially because of the days we're living in. So the J.B. Phillips translation, Paul said, But you must realize that in the last days, times will be full of danger. All right, now turn to Psalm 91. Let's just camp here for a couple of minutes. Um, I, I constantly go to scriptures. I think I know everything about them. Then I go to them again. I find out, wow, I don't know, hardly know anything about them. So God's word is alive. It just keeps birthing fresh revelations. I mean, one verse. I mean, it's amazing how much you'll never hit bottom. So in Psalm 91, <clears throat> now notice verse 1. He that dwelleth, that's King James for he that lives in. Amen. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Does that sound good to anybody? All right, so the very first verse is talking about your life. 
what you're doing with your life, where you are, not just what you do. Where are you every day of your life? Are you in your own world? Doing your own thing? Are you in, are you in God's will doing His thing? What's your heart after? Things you desire and want are things He desires and wants. Where are you living? Hmm? Where are you abiding? Where do you remain when you wake up, when you go to bed? What, what's the zone? What zone are you in? Because if this was just talking about being in Christ only, then what's happening to all these other people who are in Christ being cut off uh, earlier, going through tragedies and things we know are not the will of God? If, that's, if being in Christ was everything in this area, then why are all these tragedies happening to believers who are in Christ? Because he's not just talking about being in Christ here, he's talking about being in the will of Christ on a daily basis. Now the cool thing about it is a believer, no matter how short a person's life gets cut short, they're going to heaven if they're a believer. But how many want to live out your full life? I personally don't want to be evicted from the earth by a demonic attack or a demonic disease. I want to leave when I'm done doing what I believe the Lord called me to do. My mom was like that. She got up, you know, 88, 89 years old, and she told us, told Carl and I, said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with everything I believe the Lord wanted me to do, and I'm ready to go home. And I thought, I thought, I wonder if I should talk her out of this because I don't want my mama to leave the earth yet. She's doing well. She's healthy. She's great. I mean, she, she, you know, she got old. She, you know, there was a few things that she fell a couple times, but um, when she said she was done, I thought, man, that's, that's got to be satisfying. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And now there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me that the righteous judge is going to give me at that day. So Paul said, I, I'm, I'm about ready to leave here. And he was telling Timothy, I'm about ready to leave. Paul the aged, you got up there and years, he's about ready to leave. I mean, that's the way it should be. Do you realize you don't have to die with a sickness? You can learn to give up the ghost, right? And breathe your last and say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And whew. did you know? We need, to, we need to have some teachings on how to die. Right? Isn't it cool you don't have to die with something forcing you out of your body? Jacob just like us, except we're in a better covenant established upon better promises. Jacob got done blessing his kids, his grandkids, pronounced blessings on his whole family, brought his legs up in the bed, curled up, and the Bible says he gave up the ghost. No long, drawn out, invalid. He blessed everybody, took his last breath, and decided not to take another one, and he was in the glory world. And the Lord's grace will be there at that time. People think, I don't want to think about when I'm going to die. I don't want to think about that last breath. And I don't know if I can handle it. Quit minimizing the grace of God. God's grace will be, you don't need grace to die now if you're not going to die now. <laughs> you need grace to die when you're taking your last breath. So don't, don't worry about it. It will be there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, you may be halfway on the other side and halfway in natural. Well, there's Jesus. Goodbye, family. Whew, and you're gone. Well, we need to realize that we can live on this earth 
in protection and leave when we're ready. And we have a Bible study at our house on Monday nights for neighborhood people and a couple others. And we talked about some of these things. And Paul actually wrote to the Corinthians and said, did you guys realize this? But all things are yours. And he starts listing all these things. He said, Corinthians, he says, all things are yours. Uh, Paul is yours. Apollos is yours. You can sit under whoever you want to. These, these, you can choose who, who to get help from. Then he says, all things are yours. He said, he said, life is yours and death is yours. Interesting. Yeah. We have something to say about when we leave or how long we stay. To believe anything else is actually to give the enemy a little bit of access into your life and mess with you in that area. So turn to Psalm 91. Here we are. Sorry. <laughs> he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So protection is more about where you choose to live than just what you do once in a while. Very important. Abiding and living is so important for the believer, not just having a ticket to heaven if you want to live in divine protection. Um, let's, let's go ahead and read a couple more verses here. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So do you see right there, church? You see right there. It's not just about doing your own thing, right? And once in a while doing God's things. This is talking about your life is being lived to the best of your ability in God's will for your life. And it's not about, oh, Johnny's really good and Susie's not. because No, it's about being in the right place at the right time. God knows where the crazies are. He knows where the missiles are going to strike. And if we're following his plan for our life, he is not going to lead us in line with one of those tragedies. Do you understand that, church? And this is why it's so important. Now, now to just do your own thing... And then when the evil times and the dangerous times really start crowding in around you, that's not the time to start saying, oh, I'm going to be led by the Lord. You need to already be in the habit of being led by the Lord. So when he does need to lead you away from danger, you already understand some things. You've been doing it in the little things. You've been doing it in daily life. And now when it comes to protection in perilous times and not going into a tragedy, you've already been yielding and looking to the Lord and you're in the habit of it. You know, we need to be looking to the Lord every day of our life for every kind of direction that He wants us to have. And then if He ever needs to direct us away from a dangerous place, we're already in the habit of saying, Lord, before I go out of the house, Lord, I want what you want more than anything. Interrupt me anytime you want. Any adjustments in my way to work today? Anything you want me to do? Just if we're in the habit of always being open to the Lord for direction in all these other areas, well, then if He has to give you some life-saving direction in the area of divine protection... You already understand it. You've already been looking to the Lord. All right, let me read you a couple of things the Lord told me to write down here. So go to verse 2. I will say of the Lord. Say what? Now, now, we all know this, that we get saved by confessing Jesus is Lord. Right? What else should we say of the Lord? Depends what do you want. You confess Jesus is Lord... And you got saved. Going to heaven when you die. You're a born again Christian. You're in the Father's hands, right? Anybody want anything else besides a ticket to heaven? Because there's more, you know. Forget not all his benefits. Look at verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, and my God. In him will I trust. So 
He's talking about trusting God as our fortress. But here's the deal. You didn't get born again just by believing. You had to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead in order for you to be saved. Well, if you want to see divine protection, you can't just believe in divine protection. You have to say of the Lord, he's my protector. And you're going to have people go, oh, who do you think you are? Oh, that's a little arrogant. No, it's confidence in what the scripture said. Come on, if you want verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 15 and 16 and all those verses about no evil shall befall you, no plague will come near your dwelling, you've got to do verse 2. I will say of the Lord. Say what? He's my refuge. What does that mean? Well, today we'd say he's my shield. He's my force field. He's my armor. He's my protector. And sometimes you have to say it in the middle of the world. When everybody's saying, oh, we're going to die. All these missiles are coming and all these crazy people and all this stuff is happening. What do you do right in the middle of that? And I'm not saying you have to stand up all the time and say it publicly, but we shouldn't be ashamed either. But sometimes you just have to boldly say, it will not come near me. What's the name of the flu that was going around? Neuro? 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 N-O-R-O? Neuro? Say this, Noro will not come near me. The Lord is my fortress. He's my protector. It ain't going to happen. I will say of the Lord. Is that important if you want the other verses coming up? Come on, do you have to, do you have to live in the right place? And do you have to say something? Now, when we're talking about living in the right place, we're talking about being sensitive to the leading of the Lord in your life, in your daily life. We're not talking about living a perfect life. We're just talking about being where you believe He wants you to be. And, of course, doing what He wants you to do, close to Him. Um, I'm going to read you something here. It, here. Let me read this to you. It's safer to trip and fall and keep coming right back living in God than to be, be in perfect behavior and not that interested in God's plan for your life. It's safer. It's safer to trip and fall in life and keep coming right back to living in God and His will for your life than to be perfect in your behavior and not that interested in God's plan for your life. It's way safer to be tripping and falling and getting right back in where you normally are than to just not be interested in God and have squeaky clean behavior. Yeah. It's truth. Go to the next verse. Well, go back, go back. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, and my God. In Him will I trust. In this area we will trust. We already trust Him for forgiveness. We already trust Him for saving our souls. We already trust Him that He's, he's the way to the Father and we're going to heaven. But if you want to see protection in your life, what should you do? Same thing you had to do to see forgiveness in your life. Believe and say, I will say of the Lord, He is my protection in perilous times. You need to be saying it. He's my protector. Next verse. Surely, everybody say surely. surely. <laughs> no doubt about this. He's going to deliver you, who? 
the one who says, He's my deliverer. Surely he's going to deliver. He's not, he can't deliver everybody. He'd like to, but he just doesn't barge in and make, us, make things happen without our opening the door. And we open the door by believing and saying, surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Does that sound good to anybody? Yeah. Do you like that verse? Yeah. Then you really need to like the verse that allows it to come into your life. Verse 2, right. 1 and 2. Next verse. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. He's still talking about divine protection. <laughs> so good. And his word is truth. Next verse. You will not be afraid for the terror by night. Is there terror out there by night? Yes. Can't stop that, but you can be protected from it. Hmm? Yeah. Our prayers is not going to stop all terror in these last days, but we can be protected from it. Yep. And we can pull people from the fire. You'll not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow, or could we say bullet? Huh? We're not afraid. Number one, we're not afraid to die. But number two, we're not afraid of them getting through to us because God is a great protector. Amen. Not afraid for the arrow that flies by day, nor, keep going, nor for the pestilence, that would include diseases and weird stuff, that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Is this stuff happening? I'd say, yeah, read the paper, but is that obsolete? <laughs> is there bad stuff happening? Yes. Every day, times 10. All right, is it happening? Is there destruction happening? Is there pestilence happening? Is there arrows and bullets flying and hurting and killing people? What does it say? Next verse. A thousand people, he's talking about. A thousand people shall fall at your side. I mean, they are getting knocked out all around us. Don't want it. Hate to see it happen. But that's why we've got to get this word out. Because yeah. the only way they can be protected is that they're hearing and doing some of the things we're talking about tonight. Yeah. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand people shall fall at your right hand. But it shall not. What? The pestilence that walks in darkness, the, the destruction at noonday, the arrows that fly by day, and the terror at night. That will not come near you. Yeah. Right. Who does this work for? Not everybody. Who does God want it for? Everybody. Who does it work for? People that, you know, people that say, you know what? I'm not just going to wake up and do my own thing. I mean, I'm dumb if I do that. I'm going to wake up and say, Lord, my life is in your hands. I'm looking to you. Pray in tongues for a while. Stir up my spirit. Get sensitive to the leading of the Lord. Slowly go about my day. And if he says turn left, I'm turning left. Because I'm not, I don't have work-itis, home-itis. Got to be here. Got to do that. I am constantly listening for the direction of the Lord. And if he says there's a change in plans today, then there's a change in plans today. Amen. And that's how you live in victory. I mean, do you realize... It could just be 15 seconds could mean the difference between somebody living and dying at a head-on collision. Yep. Somebody running a light. What if the Spirit of God said, just go a little slower down the road this morning? Do you realize just going a little slower could mean you miss 
a tragic accident? Because usually it's usually seconds. It's usually a few seconds that are involved in that. Oh, if the person just would have just been going 44 instead of 46, they would have missed that head on, they would have missed that running of the stop sign or whatever. And I believe, oh Lord, I, I believe the Spirit of God just spoke to me. There, there are times the Spirit of God has warned people about some of the things we're talking about right now. And they sensed a premonition about it. And they had no idea, no teaching what to do with it. And so they went on. World calls it a premonition. Scriptures call it inward witness. Or Paul said, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the ship, but of our lives. And he was right. Hmm. People have, I don't believe there's any child of God who's ever gone on an airplane that went down that the Spirit of God wasn't trying to get their attention all morning long. And I've heard testimonies of people who've been in accidents, who survived, and they remember, and they testified saying, you know what? I knew something was wrong. I, I knew something bad was going to happen to me, and it did. What was that? That was the Spirit of God trying to get your attention so that bad thing couldn't happen to you. But people just go right on with that heavy feeling, you know, just go right on, you know, with that uneasiness on the inside, thinking, well, maybe I just had too much coffee or I was low blood sugar or something, not realizing this is different. This is the Spirit of God saying, slow down. How many think it's a good idea just every day before we go to work, before we go anywhere, just spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, you know my plans today. I'm going to be faithful in them. I'm going to be a good worker on the job. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to have integrity. I'm going to, you know, do what I need to do. And, but, but, as I go about my day, my antenna is up. You got anything to say to me or bring my way or witness on the inside of me? I am a good rain-trained horsey. Bible says, don't be like the horse and the mule that needs a bit and a bridle. The Bible says, be a rain-trained believer where all God has to do is whoof with the reins and you know it's time to go left. Instead of boom, boom, come on, go left, man. Don't. How many like to be trained just like a horse? Just, God just barely moves the reins this way and man, you're going that way. Barely moves the reins this way as opposed to bit and bridle and whip. You can, get, you can become rain-trained to where you know the ways of God and you know the moving of the Spirit because you wake up every day saying, Lord, I love you more than anyone or anything. Let's have a good day today, Lord. And not be so cemented in, in our plans. You know what I mean by that? And you know... Some of these things that we're talking about tonight in the area of divine protection, you may not ever hear from God but once or twice in your life about certain major changes in your regular schedule. But isn't it good to know how to move a direction when we're supposed to? Instead of just go down the road, we've always gone down. Of course I'm going to go. And then some, you wake up one morning and just some uneasiness on the inside of you. And just something like, hmm, but you just keep going anyway. Why? Because you've not been in the habit of listening to the Lord every day even in little things, to now he's trying to get, get you led in the right direction in this big thing coming up. Next verse. 
I'm sorry, go to the back, back to the other verse. A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people who abide with God, not just visit him on Sundays. You know, your mind's on him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and you're interested in his will on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. All right. Number two, you're going to what? You're going to say, say what? The Lord is my refuge. Hmm, another benefit that we can tap into. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. He's my God. In Him I trust. He said, if that's you, people may be falling all around you, but it won't come near you. That's good news. Next verse. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. In other words, you're not going to have to go beat all these wicked people up. You're just going to stand and watch. Next verse. Why? Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. Jesus said, abide in me as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Remain in me. Abide in me. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you just automatically do the Lord's thing. You can do your own thing after you're a Christian and still be in the wrong place at the wrong time experiencing things he don't want you to experience. You've got to, hold, you got to get a hold of your will. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. That means we're way beyond Sundays and Wednesdays. Every day you're aware of God and His plan and His will for your life. Next verse. Just say habitation. habitation. Now, before we read this, well, go ahead and read this one. We'll stop here. But There shall no evil befall you. Now, if this isn't happening in a believer's life, we need to be a little concerned and really say, God, what's up? I believe this message tonight is an answer to the what's up prayer. God, what's up? Wanting, needing, God wanting you to have divine protection is not how you walk in divine protection. You've got to live a certain way and say certain things. I'm not talking about living in perfection. I'm just talking about living in the zone of looking to God every day. Not to, we're way beyond just good acts, a good act here, a bad act there. We're talking about how you live. What, what zone are you in? I'd rather be in the right zone making some mistakes than not be in the right zone and not making any mistakes. Did you hear that? I'd rather be in the right zone and making a few mistakes than to not be in the right zone, doing my own thing out here and making no mistakes. It's kind of like the child at home. I mean, as long as the child's at home, mistakes and all, he's going to be protected. But what if that child wanders out into the streets away from home? Not in the zone anymore. Yeah. No evil shall befall you. Everybody say, no evil, no evil. shall befall me. Befall me. I, say I say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my, my fortress, fortress. fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Him who? Him the protector. Making it specific. The Lord is my protection. No evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. <laughs> who does this work for? People who trust God for it. And talk 
like it's true. In him will I trust. That's why, that's why all this is preceded by those first two verses. And does that sound good to anybody? No evil shall befall me, nor any plague come near my dwelling. Who? Well, the, the person who's not ashamed to say it. The Lord's my protector. Who do you think you are? I think I'm a child of God. Who do you think you are? Yeah. I believe Psalm 91. This is, this is promises for people under the old covenant. It also applies to us under the new covenant, but you have to add to this, we are under a better covenant now, established upon better promises. So this is at least what we can claim. You're going to have to be bold about it and not worry about the devil lying to you, saying, you arrogant thing, you. There is a difference between arrogance and confidence. We're talking about full confidence in what the, the Father God of our life told us. He wants us repeating Him. If He didn't want us saying these things, He shouldn't have said them because we're supposed to imitate God as dear children. We could stay in this verse for a whole month. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. Woo! Next verse. For He shall give His angels charge over you. And next week, I have a feeling in my heart we're going to talk about how to appropriate the protection of the angels. I might talk a little bit about demons as well because people open the door to demons too at times. And if they'd stop doing that, they'd even walk in more protection, just stopping that. But there is a way. There is a way to see more angelic help in your life and in your children's lives and in your family's life. Angels are wanting to do a lot more for the people of God than the people are allowing them to do. You know, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I know that blows us away. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, you know, H-E-I-R. Well, if we're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, then if Jesus could pray to the Father, and the Father presently send 12 legions of angels to help him, why couldn't we if we we're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ? The Lord knew. He could have prayed to his Father and said, I can pray to my Father right now, and he'll manifest 12 legions of angels and wipe this whole army thing out, and we'll just rule and reign. But he had to die so we could live. But he could have done it. There's angelic protection that a lot of people aren't tapping into, and they just need to know a few things so they could tap into it. Yeah. I remember Fred Price when his little boy, Freddie, a long time ago, he died because a car hit him in L.A. there, where Fred now pastors a church out. This was many decades ago, and his little boy, Freddie, was playing in the streets, and the car came and hit him and died. And Fred gave a test. I, I like when people testify according to scriptures, not according to their experience. Right. And he said, he said, I didn't know how to appropriate my angels back then. I didn't know. He said, God didn't kill my kid. God didn't have some purpose to take my kid. God didn't take him. He received him, but he didn't take him. Some crazy driver and violations of some natural laws happened. He said, I didn't know how to put my angels to work. He said, but I learned now. So they had another child, called him Freddie, and now that Freddie has grown up and pastoring the church out there in uh, Los Angeles, California. So he refused to give up and quit, but he realized, I need to learn how to appropriate my angels here. Now some people hear that and say, oh, that puts me in bondage. Well, don't let it. Everybody's made some mistakes. Everybody has been hit. Everybody, this is a war zone. We don't have time to go and say, oh, yeah, blah, blah. we just got to move forward, man. And so he shall give his angels charge over you, God will, to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands. The angels will bear you up in their hands so that you don't dash your foot against the stone. Next verse. 
You, don't get God to do this, you shall tread upon the lion, figurative for demon powers, you shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample underfoot. Next verse. Because God said he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Keep going. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. Are you glad he's with you in trouble? Are you just as glad for the next phrase? How many of you know you're going to get what you believe for? If you really believe God's with you in trouble, you're going to sense his presence while you're going down. And that's awesome. But is there more? What if you believe he's going to deliver you from the trouble? Well, according to Jesus, if you believe, you'll see. Then you're going to see deliverance from the trouble. I know we like to put this off on the Lord. I know we like to say, well, God has some mysterious plan. God has some mysterious secret will in why he did this or why he allowed that. Friend, it's no mystery. It's no secret. You get what you believe for. And if you don't know how to believe, that's why we're here. <laughs> we're here to help people understand faith, how to believe, how to release their faith. If you believe God's going to deliver you from the trouble and he doesn't, then he lied to you. Well, you'll never find, and that'll never happen because he didn't lie. And he will honor him. Next verse. With long life will I satisfy him. Is it the will of God that people's lives are cut short? No, never the will of God. But he said, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Whoo! So let me read you a few things before I let you go. You don't have to be a sinner to be, be destroyed. Just refuse to be led by the Holy Spirit. And why didn't God protect some? He tried. For some reason they weren't listening or didn't know how to listen. If you want to live in divine protection in this dangerous world, then you need to be interested in following God's plan for your life, not just waking up and doing your own thing and being a nice person. Well, I hope somebody's taking notes because... Let me, uh, actually, I didn't bring it in here with me. Let me just quote it to you. Kenneth Hagin's book, I sh shared this with you last week, his uh, book on following God's plan for your life, he says in his book there, you know, if, if, you, if you follow God's plan for your life, you're going to miss a lot of stuff other people go through. Right. Hard stuff. But he said, if you're not interested in and you're not following God's plan for your life, you will encounter trials in life God never intended you to encounter. And it's not his will, it's not his fault, it's people's choice. See, God's not wanting us to follow him because he's this big God and he's, you know, you follow me, you little earthlings, I'm God. He wants us to follow him because he's got an aerial view of this thing called life. He knows where the pitfalls are, he knows where the strategies of the, strategies of the devil are, the plans of the enemy. He knows where crazy people are, he knows where bullets are flying. And he wants us to follow him, not because he's God and we're little earthlings. He wants us following him because it's the safest, best life there is. And it's not hard to follow the Lord. Say this. It's easy, it's easy. for me to follow the leading of the Lord. So let me just read a couple more things and I'll let you go. Um, when you're in the habit of wanting to do God's will, you're in the zone of being able to discern his direction away from danger. If you're looking to the Lord daily for his direction, 
you will be more in tune to his leading when he wants to lead you away from dangerous places and people. We can't be doing our own things day in and day out and then just switch into hearing from God when we need to steer away from dangerous places. It's easy to know God's leading away from danger when we're daily looking to Him for direction in all these other areas. Makes sense, right? It's not hard to yield to the leading of the Lord when He's trying to lead you away from danger when you've already been yielding to Him in your daily walk for other things. I'm going to show you one more thing before I let you go. I'll just tell you. I'll tell you. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Talking about your spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Bible says that your spirit, your human spirit, you know the part of you that's made in the image and likeness of God, the part of you that's going to leave your body when you're over, when it's over here, it's going to go to heaven. The Bible says the spirit of man is where God enlightens man. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We'd say it this way, the spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. This is where God's going to turn on the light and we're going to see things in that part of our being. That's where he's going to lead you. That's where he's going to guide you. And that's where he's going to prompt you in this area of steering away from danger, slowing down, speeding up, whatever, to avoid something. He's going to contact you in your spirit, not in your brain. He's going to contact you in your spirit, and then your spirit's going to pass it on to your brain, and hopefully you walk out what the Lord told you. Yeah. Say this, my spirit, my spirit is where God's going to enlighten me. About what? about everything. Who to marry? Who not to marry? Where to live? Where not to live? Who to hook with? Who not to hook with? Right? Where to go? Where not to go? He's going to enlighten you in your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. He's going to enlighten you on the inside. Well, I wanted to say this before we close. Inside, in your spirit is where God's going to, God is a spirit. He's going to contact your spirit with life-saving direction all the time successful direction to make you a success inside everybody's trying to figure everything out with their brain yeah use your brain but don't don't let your brain be the number one guidance in your life look to the lord he's smarter than your brain and so i got to thinking about paul and you know paul is he's getting ready to go on a boat he's a prisoner he's apprehended by rome he's going to see caesar and paul wakes up and realizes on the inside of him, something ain't right about this trip we're about to take. Now, he's the prisoner, so nobody's probably going to listen to him. He's just the prisoner. We're talking about centurions and captain of the ship and weathermen. And Paul comes up and says, you know what, sirs? He said, sirs? Paul was polite. He said, sirs, I perceive this voyage is going to be with much hurt and damage, not only of the ship, but also of our lives. Mm. Well, the weatherman said, no, the south wind's blowing softly. No, forget what Paul said, he's just, whatever. The captain of the ship said, no, we're sailing. We're going to head to Rome. We're going to cross these seas. Everything looks good in the natural. How I many know, just because everything looks good in the natural doesn't mean that everything's going to be good one week from then. And if you're already out in the middle of the ocean, those soft winds that blew softly could turn into the winds of Eurocladin overnight. 
And it did. And they're being tossed to and fro and they're throwing all this stuff overboard. And this big sailor guys are all scared and throwing up and haven't eaten for days. And sun nor stars nor moon appeared in several days. And all hope they should be saved was lost. And Paul said, you should have hearkened unto me. <laughs> he did. He said, you guys should have listened to me and not lose from Crete. And all this harm come to us. But you know, God bailed them out because Paul was on that boat. And they still got to land safely, but the boat was totally blown apart. The storm liked to kill every one of them, but every one of them was saved because Paul was on that boat. But wouldn't it have been better if they just would have listened to Paul? Now, what, what, what's this? Paul said, I perceive. You can have that perception. You can be that sensitive to the Lord. Headed ready to go on a trip, and all of a sudden on the inside, not fear, not weird. Just, I perceive this, this trip shouldn't be taken right now. I perceive we need to not go right now. Every believer has that perception. Develop it. Look to God every day. Stay in the Word. Hear good sermons. Pray in the Spirit regularly. Along with all the other things you got to do. And you'll develop sensitivity. Practice in small areas. And so, so, I, heard, so I heard Paul say, I perceive. And the same guy that said, I perceive, said, I pray in tongues more than you all. I believe the Lord wanted me to say that. The same man that said, I perceive this voyage is not going to be good, is the same man that said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. When you're speaking in tongues, your spirit is praying. You know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, but it's your spirit doing the praying. Well, if your spirit's praying, then your spirit is active. And if your spirit is active, you're more aware of that part of your life where this life-saving direction comes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're aware of that part of your life. You know, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're aware of that part of your life where he gives you this amazing direction. Because when you're praying in tongues, your spirit's not sleeping. It's active. And if it's active, you're going to be more aware of that part of your life where this life-saving direction comes. So I would encourage you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, I would encourage you, ask the ushers for the free book that we give out here on why tongues or the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll lay hands on you when, when you want. You can come to us whenever you think you're ready. We'll pray for you during office hours or whatever. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Spirit and you have spoken in tongues, make sure you just keep speaking in tongues on a regular basis. Because you'll be keeping that part of your life active. You'll be more aware of that part of your life. And when God needs to tell you something or direct you a certain way, that part of your life is not asleep.